Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel. Today, I'm here with Raja Kumari. Namaste. <laughs> So you were born in Claremont, but so your parents moved here. They came in the seventies, like a lot job of or? yeah. My dad's a as a doctor, and like in the seventies, there was a lot of uh, doctors and engineers and mm -hmm. a lot of Indians that came, and my parents were part of that immigration, and we were all born here. Me and my brothers, my cousins, and. Uh, I grew up in Claremont, the city of trees and PhDs. <laughs> I love that. So what does your mom do then? My mom is pretty much an artist. She's like a homemaker, but she's she does everything. She uh, does upholstery, stained glass, painting, oh, wow. you know, you name it. So my mother's definitely the artistic one. So you think you got your creative side from her? Oh, 100%. Yeah. My dad can't sing. No, that's not coming from my father. <laughs> but so, I get my yeah. analytical mind and my uh, my drive from my father. Mm. So was it your mom's decision to start putting in dancing classes when you were six? Or, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She wanted to be a dancer. Um, and they couldn't afford it growing up in India. Like, my, my parents did not grow up with money. They were very... Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they definitely struggled when they were growing up. So I think before I was even conceived, they already had decided I would be a classical dancer. Wow. <laughs> but you had, what was it called, a guru at your house or? Yeah, my guru, it was actually amazing, a crazy story. My mom wanted to learn from Sumati Koshal, my guru, who was a really famous um, dance teacher in India. And she actually met her at like a conference when I was about five years old. And she invited her to come meet me, and I danced for her, and she just saw so much potential, and she she saw somebody that she could shape, and, you know, I was really lucky. She ended up, like, living with us yeah, and teaching me so cool. since I was six, so I had a very unique, unique experience with classical mm -hmm. dance. And what was it? You did some fundraising. Yeah. You raised, like, $80,000. Yeah, How I'm, old were you when oh, you were doing all that? I think I was like nine. That's insane. Yeah, I would I would sell I would call everybody I knew and sell these tickets and like get all like whoever I knew that had money like convince them to like donate so that I could raise money for different charities I was working with. But um yeah, it was really an incredible experience because I learned very early that my art could create real change in the world. Mm. Like physical things that meant something to people. Like, you know, I um I contributed to uh like a wing in a, in a hospital in Bangalore through my dance, and then also I built a meditation hall. Yeah, for was it for like dis disabled, disabled children? Yeah. yeah, the Vegasna Foundation. I work with them in Hyderabad. I've been working with them for like, don't want to date myself, but like 20 years pretty much. Wow. So, so was it your mom who gave you like this philanthropic ideas, or how did you? I think my parents have always um, felt like, you know, my art was like an offering to the world. Like, you know, it was always like done out of devotion. So they always you know, tried to put me into those positions and, and it definitely always made me keep that mindset, you know, when it comes down to my music and what I do now. I always think about how can I affect other people and how can I, you know, use my art to make real change in the world. Mm -hmm. And was your dad always open to you doing the arts or did they have any, like, back and forth? Because it's, like, really different, like, different mindset and yeah. people. Yeah, it's different. Um, you know, my parents definitely... Um, they always made me an artist, so I mean, I'm always, I was like always laughing at them when they thought I would just like stop and like <laughs> go to medicine. But even I wanted to do medicine. But um, you know, my parents have been supported the whole time, and they just reacted when people really were reacting to me and saying, you know, that 
I deserve to do this and you know that I had some talent you know they never wanted me to miss anything so you know they let me take classes they let me really do my thing and you know I'm here today because my parents are very yeah, supportive. Yeah I love that. How would you describe your personality back then growing up? Yeah I mean pretty much the same. I've changed a lot like as I've grown I've just become more calm I've I've like understood like how to work with people and like you know just uh, not like lose my head but when I was young I just ambitious man just full ambition full belief in self and I mean I was obviously very full belief in self but then very insecure mm. <laughs> very insecure in how I was but I knew that I would get there and I knew that I would become who I needed to be yeah. and I feel like I've come to terms with that now and like you know now I am the artist that I dreamt of being when I, I when that. I started yeah, yeah. Do you remember who showed you the Tupac you were listening to back then, right? When you're finding your own music? Yeah, I mean, my brother, my older brother, who doesn't even listen to hip-hop, is the one that showed me the Fugees, <laughs> which is so funny because he's, like, responsible for starting my whole musical journey. But, you know, I got music just, like, via, like, MTV and mm -hmm. VH1, like, whatever I could get my hands on, whatever my friends would show me, whatever I could find out, you know, like, research and go to the music stores. There used to be physical stores. Yeah. <laughs> I used to look through things and convince my mom to buy me CDs that said explicit on them and just hope she didn't understand what they were saying. <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, that was a struggle. But yeah, I just learned. I mean, America taught me, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And at what age did you start doing ciphers? Yeah, like in high school. Like that's when I was in, in I stopped going to a private school. I went to a public high school. So I was like exposed to a lot of different types of people and uh, you know one of my best friends in high school his name was MC Bird, Birdie, shout out Birdie. <laughs> he really taught me a lot about hip hop, he taught me, you know he was a battle rapper and you know we had a little group together called Styles Bliss and you know that was really where I really started like learning about you know that that kind of music made me happy you know I always would sing pop music like sing along to Christina and sing along to NSYNC but when I made music with Birdie, I felt something. And so that always stuck with me. Even when I was songwriting and I'd be writing things for other pop artists, I always thought back to like how I felt when I made my like real music, you know, mm -hmm. like the stuff that I wanted to make. So, you know, maybe I was like 14 yeah. in high school. Growing up, did you ever have any problems fitting in? Of course, I mean, yeah. we all do. I think, um, yeah, I think because I was so overtly, like, I still was doing my classical performances, so I'd come to school with, like, my fingertips red or, you know, the, the henna all over my hands. And, you know, sometimes I would just, you know, there's, there's always some things when you're growing up as, as an Im from an immigrant family um, that didn't help me fit in. And, you know, like, obviously in the industry, there wasn't anyone really like me and there wasn't anything like that going on. So there was a lot of confusion, but I have a lot of, like, self... I've cultivated a lot of self-love over my life, so I just knew that my culture was important to me and, you know, no matter how confused I felt, at the end of the day, I just knew there was a purpose and that, you know, mm -hmm. I had to get that philanthropy poppin'. <laughs> <laughs> that, that I had to really do those things mm -hmm. I wanted to do. And was it your classmates that came up with Indian Princess? Yeah, they would <laughs> always be like, give the mic to IP, Indian <laughs> Princess. And I'd be like, oh no, <laughs> no, we can't do that forever. Mm -hmm. So then Rajakumari was born, which is Sanskrit yeah. for princess. And um, it just felt like it was, it was just the thing I needed. I needed something greater than me at the time. And um, it was just a character that was based off of all the really strong female characters I had played in all my dances, mm -hmm. like the queens and the warriors and 
I just made this character and just developed it and it really is like my avatar, I say, like another avatar of me. <laughs> now I feel like I might be Kumari all day long. <laughs> and now it's, it's just shifted over mm -hmm. now. And what made you want to study, was it religious studies in college? Yeah, or? you know, I started as a music major and then they like wanted me to do like all this technical stuff and just listen, learning music in a technical way kind of killed it for me. Mm. And I went to a Hinduism class and it was actually taught by like this total surfer dude like named Brian. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and he was like speaking in Sanskrit and I was so inspired by him. I was like, wow, this is so cool. Like he's studying my culture. Like I, really I need to study that. my culture. Yeah. I was like, wow, and he just inspired me and I changed my, um, my major to religious studies and I studied comparative religion and South Asian, you know, the focus in South Asian religion. Mm -hmm. So it was amazing because those are the things I was really interested in because I felt like if you know like why people feel the way they feel and especially if you, if you study different religions and different cultures, then maybe in your lyric you can find something universal to say that more people will like relate to. Were your parents open to you doing religious studies? Like did they think that you were going to study it for a career? Or, like, Yeah, I mean they I think my parents thought I was going to study religious studies, marry a doctor. Oh, okay. And just do like the standard Indian, like, you know, good girl thing, which is just like marry a nice doctor by 22, you know. So they're not, it's not exactly the thing they chose for me to do. But yeah, they, they were okay. They, of course, they loved me studying comparative religion. Mm -hmm. Their daughter was studying the Bhagavad Gita. Like, they were very pleased with that. Mm -hmm. And so you knew from the onset that you wanted to have a career in music no matter what? Yeah, I mean, I knew that, you know, my dad actually, when I was done with my college, I had to obviously get a degree before I could try anything else, as most Asian yeah. immigrant families will tell you that we're not allowed to do anything until we get the degree. Um, you know, I, my dad was like, I was younger, I had skipped like kindergarten, so I had like an extra year uh, in the mix, and my dad was like, why don't you take one year, focus on music, so that you can never say that you didn't give it your all, and then we can like, you yeah. know, we can we can know that you tried. Really slow. <laughs> yeah, I just kept pushing every year. Like end of every year, I'd be like, I've come too far, Dad. I've come too far. <laughs> I can't stop. Now. I can't stop. But I actually was like in. I was gonna go to a PhD program, and that wow. was gonna take me seven years. And For then my, like religious studies yeah. also. Yeah, wow. I was gonna continue, which I still will do in, in the future, but. Um, you know, it was just like my dad was like, you could spend your, your older years in the library. I don't want you to waste your youth not like yeah. pursuing music. So my dad does not remember that conversation, but it was super <laughs> important conversation. He's like, I didn't say that. I'm like, yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the story where, um, who were, like, they were filming a music video outside your house. Yeah. You, yeah, well, can you say that story? Yeah, they were like filming a music video and they like knocked on the door and asked if they could like use the house. And I was like a 14 year old with like zero connections to the music industry. And I was just like, oh my God, you're in the music industry? Can I sing for you? And just like sang Genie in a Bottle probably, or like Reflection, which were the mm -hmm. two songs I sang. And just like was very loud singer. It took me time to like control my voice. And um, he actually, the guy that I met was friends with a producer that was like working with Destiny's Child at the time. And so he called him and I sang for him on the phone. And I think I was like, 15. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and then they were like, okay, come meet me. So I went, uh, that night, I think I went with my friends to like a uh, Jingle Ball, Kiss FM's Jingle Ball. <laughs> and my parents took us from Jingle Ball to the studio to meet this producer. Whoa. Yeah. And then so I ended up just doing some uh, vocal training for like a couple months, and then I recorded my first few little demos when I was 15. But 
you know, it never works off the first songs. Yeah. <laughs> never. But those songs are good and <laughs> they're great. <laughs> Were you also networking and doing music throughout college? I was making my own music. I wasn't like, um, like out with like producers, like doing that. I was like, that's the time period that I got my iMac. And that's mm -hmm. the time period that I was using GarageBand and really learning my voice and writing all my own songs for the first time. And, you know, it was just a different different time period but yeah I was always doing that's the time when I was uh, competing on like the battle of the bands at oh. my college and like you know that kind of stuff mm -hmm. so right after college what happened after college I went to get some songs made for a producer I had saved up some money and I paid to go into the studio and when I was there I was like man I need this to be my life like I need to you know, be in the studio every day I obviously can't pay this much money every yeah. day to Were be you in the working studio other jobs? No, I was just, I just came out of school and like I was, I had just saved up and you know, mm -hmm. like I wasn't, um, I, my job was to be a student when I was in school. So, yeah. you know, I really focused on that. Um, but you know, I just realized like, how do I get here every day? And then he was always working on songs with like little, like Nickelodeon type kids, like 10 year olds, 12 year olds. So he asked me to write some songs for them. Mm -hmm. So that was the first time I ever did songwriting. And I was like, oh, if I songwrite, then I get to sit in the studio every day and I'm like inadvertently becoming better. Yeah. You know, and I'm learning about how to be in the studio and how to produce vocals and, you know, how to do these things. So I just started songwriting. And then the songwriting has just been a journey of one session to another, meeting somebody who brings me somewhere that opens the door for something. And, mm -hmm. you know, a couple years into it, two, two years in, I got my publishing deal. Um, which was great and that kind of changed my life and then after that I started doing two songs a day really really like intensely working as a songwriter and those seeds ended up sprouting into you know whatever they became and yeah. you know the couple years went by and I just learned a lot I got to go to songwriting camps in like Denmark and Sweden and Bali and I just soaked up every piece of knowledge I could soak up. Mm -hmm. How did you work with the Iggy Azalea or that song come about? So that song is the song that got me signed to my publishing oh. deal. So I'd already written it. Yeah. And then um, the chorus and the pre-hook. And they played it for her management. And then they ended up liking the song and she wrote her parts and that's the story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't I wasn't there when she was doing her, her parts, but that was my first song that ever got published and uh, her album ended up being Grammy nominated, so like in turn that happened. But I think, you know, it was just like more like to see my first song have that much success was like really exciting. Yeah. How yeah. about your songs um, with Gwen Stefani? Oh my God, those were incredible. So those sessions were actually in the room. Oh. Wow. So it was just like Gwen, Justin Tranter, myself, and JR Rodham. That's mm -hmm. it, the four of us. And she called it the Breakfast Club because she was like, what is this group of people and how are they together? And it was amazing. And, you know, that was a really great experience because, you know, she's an icon and a legend. And I really grew up listening to her. So just to be able to be there in that moment when she was going through, you know, her own emotional things and in her personal life and be able to be a part of her, you know, her therapy. Music was really her therapy. It showed me, you know, a lot about myself as a writer and also, you know, just working with her as an artist and just seeing her have like such full commitment to like everything she did. I think that was the, those were kind of like the last songwriting sessions I did before I left to India and, oh. and like really went in all the way on mm -hmm. my artist stuff. What was this story with Dr. Dre? <laughs> that was like a random story. I think when you're in LA, you have a lot of like random stories you collect over time. <laughs> 
not even sure if he'll remember this, but <laughs> I 100% remember it until the that. end of time. Until the end of okay? time. Because it was incredible for me, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm like a huge, obviously, fan of Dr. Dre, yeah. you know, growing up in California, you know, listening to hip hop. So I had gone to a session with like, like a junior producer of his, and this is before I signed my publishing deal, and just in the back room, and I always do the thaws, those. So I'm always doing those. Mm -hmm. So I was still doing those back then, and I was trying to get them on the record, and the guy that I was working with was like, hold on, wait one second, runs out of the room, goes and gets him, brings him in the room. And it's this small little room. It's like, seriously, the tiniest thing ever. And all of a sudden, there's this huge presence in the space. I'm like, oh my God. And, he, and the guy goes, do that again. I'm like, okay. So I started doing it again. And it was so strange. He like dropped to his knees because he wanted to like make a beat. And he was like, like hitting the ground. And in my head, I was like, did Dr. Dre just drop to his knees? <laughs> What, what was the turning point that you realized it? I guess all along you wanted to be an artist, but you were doing all this to get credentials, I right? just am an artist, and yeah, yeah I was yeah. just trying to figure out ways to like put myself in the studio because you need 10,000 hours in the studio to become, like anything, to become yeah. like a master. And I knew that when I got my chance, I needed to be like really, really like seasoned, like mm -hmm. ready, because what I wanted to do was not gonna be done, has never been done and they had to trust me, so if that meant me selling a couple million records with somebody else to prove that it's possible, yeah. you know, I was willing to do that because whatever I had to do to like get all the questions that people have answered so that they could give me my chance. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was just a means, means to an end. Yeah, how did you realize Epic Records were the right team? Yeah, um, it just felt right, I mean, at the yeah. time. Uh, they just saw me, like there was a couple different in, uh, labels that were like trying to talk to me at the time, but it was just like the way that I was received and... Uh, Did you already have music out by this point? No music out. Oh wow, no so just showing out. them like... Just two, yeah. maybe 2,000 followers on my Instagram, just my actual friends, yes. <laughs> people I worked with. Actual friends. <laughs> yeah, just like nobody was checking. I hadn't put anything out. Um, I just had a lot of demos that I had done with Justin and, and JR and you know they just they just heard my voice and, and they believed in me and they didn't even really see me, which was really yeah, cool. That's so really cool. I liked that they liked the music before they saw the whole package. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then they had you go to Mumbai for a while or just up or how was it? Start so going going off. to Mumbai was uh, it was really important to me because I felt like how can I represent my people and like talk about culture first if they don't even know me there, you know? So I went at a really important time in India, like hip hop was just kind of emerging. Now it's like the number one genre. And you know, I'm like super excited about representing hip hop worldwide for India and like, you know, being a part of that. But it was a, it was a crazy time in my life. I just felt like maybe people weren't hearing me here and they weren't understanding me. And I had to like go explain and prove who I was by going to India and conquering. Mm -hmm. But I think like all of that really inspired me to write Bloodline because mm -hmm. I like came back with all that confidence. Yeah. And I was just like, if you want to talk shit to me, I got one billion people army that's going to let you know that that's a problem. So <laughs> that's what made me talk that much shit. <laughs> How did the Beats, Beats One happen? Uh, the Beats One show? Yeah. Oh, you know, it's something we've been in talks with for a while because I've, I've known the people from Apple, but I'm like, a, I'm like an advocate for like Indian culture joining like Western world and like mm -hmm. I, I 
consider myself a curator of culture. So just being asked to do that like was amazing and you know something that I've really dreamt of like hearing Hindi on American radio. So when we were live in 81 countries, it felt really amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. I was like, mm -hmm. wow, Hindi is playing everywhere. And like, mm -hmm. you know, like my boys from Bombay are getting a chance. Yeah. You know? And that felt really great. Mm -hmm. And was it easy establishing yourself in India as well? Or did you have problems like... Oh, yeah. it's like a whole... There's a whole patriarchy there as well. Yeah. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of machismo and egos that are battling it out. Um, it's a constant struggle. But nothing has ever been easy. But, yeah. you know, it was definitely worth it. Uh, worth all the struggle. Yeah, is that something that you're going to try to establish yourself more? Yeah, no, I'll yeah. never let India go. India yeah. is going to be like... It's like... I'm always going to service my people con continually. It's mm -hmm. all about service. Well, were you also acting in a film there or? No, I just had a cameo in yeah. Gully Boy. It was cool. I played myself. So it wasn't like <laughs> that, that much of a struggle. Yeah. Um, but it was cool just to be a part of that film. And also like I was like a judge in the rap battle. So just like, you know, the way that the people have supported me. It was awesome to be a part of that film yeah. because I'm a big part of, you know, I feel that I'm a big part of that Mumbai rap scene. Like I really like took myself there and lived there even though I wasn't from Mumbai I, you know I, I rep I rep the Bombay boys pretty mm -hmm. hard so do you think you'll do more acting I would love to yeah I feel I like think... I could totally see you as an actress yeah. you have like everything for it oh yeah. you're supposed to be a hey <laughs> <laughs> no I, I definitely want to be more involved I mean in Bollywood music as well as film and you know even film in the U.S. I think like there's a lot more that will come my art can't be limited to one expression what does love mean to you what does what love mean to you love I mean, I think it's constantly changing what it means to me. I think I thought it meant different things, but right now, self-love is like mm. the most important thing that I'm really, really dealing with. Because I think from that, you can, if you really love yourself and you really, really do that, you can project and attract the people that will give you the love you deserve in your life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's something I've just been working on. Yeah, actually with that, what would you say have been the biggest challenges so far in your life? I think that, I think like learning to like go with change and go with the flow, let go of things, stop like trying to like, stop trying to plan everything and just kind of like allow to let go and let God do his thing, you know, mm -hmm. that's really been the, the, been the big, as soon as I started like grasping that, things really started moving in my life and um, you know, I just, uh, I really, really feel like for me the last two years, the lesson like going to India, coming back, like really like living far away from my family and all that was it's all for the love it's for the love of the people it's all for love but without self-love you have nothing so that's the most important mm -hmm. last question what sure. you going to be remembered for Ooh, i mean this is the truth my philanthropy like my mm -hmm. work that i do on earth like music is definitely a platform that people i hope that you know it heals people it teaches them it opens their eyes makes them feel happy makes them not feel alone connected east to the west connection but at the end of the day it's really about clean water and yeah. you know making real change in people's lives and i think when you get a platform is when you have the ability to really make and create change so for me it's about the platform and mm -hmm. uh, yeah when i leave this earth i would rather be remembered for how many wells i put on earth than <laughs> you know how many likes on my instagram yeah i, love I don't that. really care <laughs> this is awesome thank you so much thank you yeah